Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Absolutely horrible what's happening over there. It looks like, it reminds me actually of Full Metal Jacket, the Vietnam movie. I mean, look at this. This is urban combat. This is Kharkiv. Uh, we see the video here. Uh, I haven't seen anything like this really outside of, well, I saw something of it in Iraq, but really the movies, <laughs> World War II, this level of destruction, this is wild. This is heartbreaking. I wish we could do more. I do know, and you probably do too, you know in your gut that this would not be happening if Donald Trump were still president. Now, I may feel a tinge of guilt complaining about the situation in America with what they're going through over there, but uh, as much as my heart breaks, I am deeply concerned about the situation in this country, people paying ridiculous amounts for gas. I filled up my car the other day, almost $90. Now, listen, uh, all right, I've arrived at a certain point in my life where I can still live my life, grumble about the prices, but a lot of folks can't. This hits them hard. It hits me a little bit, but take a look. Hold on, y'all, because I know dog on wheel. Look at this. Now, about to write somebody. Who do you write? Joe Biden? He lectured America today. And you know what? In his heart, in his gut, he doesn't care. And neither do top officials in the Biden administration. Look how they get along. Look how they get around. Major motorcades all over the place. And these folks are telling us to uh, go to wind energy and solar. They're addicted to these cars. They love power. And when they get to where they're going, look at the pageantry. Hey, look at this. This is Tony Blinken. Who's next? I think Kamala Harris always, of course, gets the royal treatment. Is that her in that major league suburban SUV? Yes, it is. Do you think she's worried about the price of gas? And of course, Joe Biden with his planes, his helicopters. And uh, there you go, Joe. You can make it so. When he called for the ban on Russian imports of energy, oil, gas, whatever, it was the right thing to do. It was late, and he was very lecturing about it. We'll get to that in a moment, but first, the news. Today, I'm announcing the United States is targeting the main artery of Russia's economy. We're banning all imports of Russian oil and gas and energy. That means Russian oil will no longer be acceptable at U.S. ports, and the American people will deal another powerful blow to Putin's war machine. 
Now, as far as our pocketbook, our are we going to go for a trip next weekend or not? Uh, he just basically said, I told you so. I told you it would be hard. We're not in this together. We already know that. Joe has not a care in the world. He's got his millions and uh, doesn't look like Hunter's going to jail. So just get on with it. He told you about it, right? This is a step that we're taking to inflict further pain on Putin. But there will be cost as well here in the United States. I said I would level with the American people from the beginning. And when I first spoke to this, I said defending freedom is going to cost. It's going to cost us as well in the United States. At this moment, what is he doing? He's covering for himself. I told you about this. I told you I was going to level with you and I'm leveling. He did not level with us. And this little talk today, full of misrepresentations. And yeah, I think downright lies. Um, there are three big problems we got right now. He's not a leader, he's not a businessman, and he's not honest. Let's start with the not leader part. Joe is president of the United States. You think vice president's a big deal, senator's a big deal. In a certain way, it's not. You're one of 100. When you sit in the big Congress, actually, you're one of, if you add it all up, 535. And when he got the semi-big job, vice president of the United States, it's not as big as you think. You don't really run much of anything. Look at him. Here he is in 2013. He's basically a member of the staff, just a member. And um, we didn't see leadership today by calling for the suspension of Russian imports. He was following. Joe Manchin was talking about it two weeks ago. We're buying over 600,000 barrels a day of crude from Russia. We've been doing this for quite some time. We have to step up to the plate. That means basically reversing some of the decisions that have been made, but no leasing, not drilling, and basically cutting back. We need energy independence more now than ever before. All right. Yeah, we do. That's from Senator Joe Manchin. Good for him. Joe is following legislators, and that's what he does. He's not a businessman either. He doesn't know what he's talking about. He's just a politician who asks for favors, does favors, raises money, and smiles that big phony smile. 90% of onshore oil production takes place on land that isn't owned by the federal government. And of the remaining 10% that occurs on federal land, the oil and gas industry has millions of acres leased they have 9,000 permits to drill now. They could be drilling right now, yesterday, last week, last year. They have 9,000 to drill onshore that are already approved. So let me be clear. Let me be clear. They are not using them for production now. That's their decision. These are the facts. We should be honest about the facts. Yeah, you really should be honest about the facts, Joe. And you're not being honest. Now, I am not an oil expert, but I found an oil expert. His name is Mike Summers. He is the president and CEO of the American Petroleum Institute. And he says as follows, there is a fundamental misunderstanding of the administration as to how the process actually works. Just because you have a lease does not mean there's actually oil and gas in that lease. And there has to be a lot of development that occurs between the leasing and then ultimately permitting for that acreage to be productive. I think they're purposely misusing the facts here to advantage their position. Does that sound like Joe? Yes, it does, because he's not honest. We've seen it a million times. That was a misrepresentation, and so is this. 
It's simply not true that my administration or policies are holding back domestic energy production. That's simply not true. Even amid the pandemic, companies in the United States pumped more oil during my first year in office than they did during my predecessor's first year. What about Donald Trump's last year in office? Did you see how he covered that up? My predecessor's first year, the fair comparison would be to Donald Trump's last year. He's confusing the issue. Obfuscation, I believe it's called. Also, we believe he's fundamentally misleading everybody with this statement. This crisis is a stark reminder to protect our economy over the long term, we need to become energy independent. I've had numerous conversations over the last three months with our European friends of how they have to be, wean themselves off of us, Russian oil. It's just not, it's just not tenable. Did he really? Did he really do that? This administration okayed the Nord Stream 2 pipeline. Now, we can find no record of Joe Biden having conversations about getting off of Russian oil. He certainly do it, didn't do it publicly. Donald Trump, on the other hand, as we showed you last night, made the case at the United Nations directly to European powers, especially Germany. They didn't want to hear it. Uh, they needed to hear it. Look, we all know that Joe uh, misleads us. He lies us. He's been doing it ever since we first met him. Back in New Hampshire in 1987, when he sat there, stood there proudly boasting that he graduated from all these colleges and had all these degrees and had a high GPA and all these awards when he didn't. We know he was lying at the debate when he said the Hunter laptop he actually lied to every single one of us, and we deserve an apology. The Hunter laptop was Russia disinformation. That was a big, fat lie. He does it all the time, like some people breathe. At the State Department, shortly after he became president, he told another phony story. He's been caught a million times when he said, we've all been together overseas and shot at together. He said he was shot at in Iraq. Now, he's been caught in that lie at least a half dozen times, yet he still says it. He still says it. He's really, he's really something else. I love this moment, though, when Joe Biden, career politician, is confronted with a guy probably 100 times smarter than he is with real-world experience who knows more about the environment than he does. Do you remember when that happened? We are energy independent. I know more about wind than you do. Oh. It's extremely expensive. Kills all the birds. It's very intermittent. It's got a lot of problems. And they happen to make the windmills in both Germany and China. And the fumes coming up, if you're a believer in carbon emission, the fumes coming up to make, make these massive windmills is more than anything that we're talking about with natural gas, which is very clean. One other thing. Find me a scientist solar. said that. I love solar, but solar doesn't quite have it yet. Stop it's it right there. Powerful. This is where Joe is realizing this guy actually knows what he's talking about. I know talking points. I know politics. I know favors. I know this guy actually knows something about this. And he does, actually. He had a whole environmental uh, process he had to go through with that golf course in Scotland and windmills were involved. Real world experience versus a guy who just showed up at receptions and read briefing books that were handed to him. A great moment. By the way, let's they're basically saying let us use electricity. Let them eat cake. Let them use electricity. The Department of Transportation really pushing electric cars right now. I think we have to remind everybody. I was told this recently. I don't know where that electricity comes from. I just assumed it came from 
It actually comes from this place, a good old fashioned electric plant. All right, just because you have an electric car that plugs in, it's not necessarily the cleanest thing in the world. Finally, President Trump. Do we miss him yet? He actually asked that question this morning as he pointed out breaking news, highest gas prices in history. Do you miss me yet? I think a lot of people are saying yes, even a lot of people who voted for Joe Biden. Stay with us. We're going to find support for Trump from deep in the swamp. Do you remember this lady, the ambassador to Ukraine who uh, had to leave? She was used in the impeachment. She actually said that Trump was right on Ukraine. Be right back. Hi, Rob Carson here. If you love watching Newsmax, you're really going to love listening to our new podcast. It's called the Newsmax Daily. I host it and I give you the best briefing of the big news of the day, top newsmaker interviews, and even, yes, a few laughs. I know it's hard to believe. So if you're uh, driving, walking, exercising, just about anywhere, you can connect with the Newsmax Daily with me, Rob Carson. Find our podcast online or go to iPhone, Spotify, iHeart, Stitcher, and more and start listening today. All I, All I can, can say, say is, is that, that the, the fake, fake news just doesn't get it, do they? <laughs> they don't. And boy, is it fun calling them out. Uh, I know President Trump has fun with it. I have fun with it. And uh, he's not tweeting anymore. But boy, he sure is emailing, folks email statements all day long. And here's one of them from just a little while ago. The fake news media refuses to report that I was the one who very early and strongly gave the anti-tank busters to Ukraine while Obama Biden was giving blankets. That's true. Then Biden came in and canceled the remaining military equipment that was packed, loaded, and ready to be shipped. All of that is true. The media gave it scant attention. Poroshenko, the former president of Ukraine, eight years ago, went to a joint session of our Congress and said, please, please help us. We need to stop Russia. He made the case, listen. Please understand me correctly. Blankets, night vision Googles are also important, but one cannot win the war with the blankets. Even more, we cannot keep the peace with the blanket. Yeah. I think that might be Joe Biden sitting behind him there, joint session of Congress. Well, after he made that case and all the eggheads in Washington and the Obama-Biden administration looked at it, what was their answer? Obama met with Poroshenko afterwards at the White House, said only non-lethal aid, however, would be provided. We are providing um, non-lethal assistance. Uh, but the fact is, militarily, um, as Crimea demonstrated, uh, Ukraine is outgunned. Vice President Biden heads to Ukraine this week, offering moral support to go along with the non-lethal aid pledged by the United States. Moral support. Thanks so much. Yes, they were offering a lot of moral support. Jen Psaki, the press secretary, she was at the State Department back then. She sent a selfie. Hashtag United uh, feel Ukraine. We, we, we feel Ukraine, something like that. I can't read it from here, but uh, I hate those hashtag campaigns. They never do anything. It was Trump. It was Trump who supported the Ukrainians. Okay. 
Let's put it on the screen, please. There's a headline. Yes, U.S. to send $250 million in lethal aid to Ukraine. The Trump administration decided to provide additional assistance to Ukraine in the form of lethal anti-tank missiles as they fight against Russian-backed separatists. This administration has given lethal weapons, the Javelin anti-tank system, to Ukraine. This administration has provided lethal weapons to the citizens of Ukraine to fight Russia aggression. It's true. And even the deep state, in the heart of that horrible, phony impeachment, admitted the same thing. You remember this lady? The Trump administration strengthened our policy by approving the provision to Ukraine of anti-tank missiles known as javelins. The Trump administration improved the situation and the Biden administration, they took it all back. They did. Take a look. This headline in Politico, White House freezes Ukraine military packages that includes lethal weapons. From June of 2021, Joe Biden is president. Now, of course, uh-oh, they get scared about those headlines, but lying and spinning comes very easy to this White House. Jen Psaki came right out and said, the idea that we have held back security assistance to Ukraine is nonsense. Just last week, we provided a $150 million package of security assistance, including lethal assistance. Excuse me, assistance isn't lethal. Lethal weapons, weapons are lethal, not assistance. This is a classic swamp spin job. They're talking about microchips. They're talking about batteries for drones. We're talking about missiles, okay? Like these. It's called a javelin. They cost about $80,000 a pop, but they can take out a tank, and it's pretty amazing when they work. Look, I talk to people in the swamp sometimes, and they know, they know in their head and in their hearts that Joe Biden is failing, but they can't say that. They have to say the opposite when they get on TV. The Biden administration has handled the Ukraine crisis intelligently. And I think that the Biden administration is handling this appropriately uh, when it comes to discussions with regard to sanctions. Those sanctions will make this unjustified, brutal invasion of Ukraine cost Russia and the Russian people. They've been slow. They've been following when they should have been leading. And um, this would not be happening if Donald Trump were in the White House. The American people understand that. I have to talk about Jill now. Dr. Jill Biden, not really a doctor, but here she is flying on a government plane today to uh, Arizona like she is a Vita Perone getting a tour of some company out there to talk about not much of anything. This is a way to kill time, really, for her, for her chief of staff. Go ahead, roll the video if you got it. Uh, she just, you know, it's a ribbon cutting job. You know, the vice president's wife, the president's wife, it doesn't have that much substance. And that's okay. That's okay. She did say something nice about Ukraine for a moment. Before I begin, I wondered if we could all just take two seconds, just a minute, to um, to all say our silent prayers for the for the people of Ukraine who are struggling. And so, I think you know. The president and I, our hearts are with the people of Ukraine, and I think all Americans feel that as well. So could we take just a second? 
Thank you. Very beautiful, very appropriate. And then it was back to partisanship and bashing the other side. Really, first ladies, I thought they didn't do this, but they do. That day, that day on inauguration, he was Joe. And then suddenly he became something else, the president of the United States. And it felt like Americans across the country were holding their breath in the aftermath of four years of chaos. Chaos, four years of chaos. Trump supporters don't like to hear the Donald Trump years described as chaos, all right? Got a little messy at times working for the American people. This isn't something a first lady should be saying. I remember that moment that Joe was sworn in, by the way. Did you see a difference? I didn't see a difference. And actually, all of he could have done to unify this country, he refused to do. Getting big tech off the back of cons- conservatives, maybe asking for a little bit of leniency, maybe even mercy for some of those January Sixers. He didn't do any of that. He just pursued the most radical left-wing agenda that he's never been associated with for his entire professional life until the day he becomes president or until he starts running for president in 2019. All right, there's a little bit more from Jill, that's uh, not true. But as Joe stood there, shoulders back, eyes shining with fierce optimism, I could see his determination to bring us together. Not really, no. And all, by the way, did he say he could see his eyes shining? I'm sorry, but I specifically remember you could not see anything in his eyes. You couldn't see a darn thing. Uh, Joe talked about, you know, white supremacy and uh, all that stuff. It was just, it wasn't a unifying speech, all right? It really wasn't. It was terrible and it was a lost opportunity and he continues to blow it and that's really sad. When we come back, the head of the Proud Boys, Enrique Terrio, has been arrested and charged uh, with conspiracy relating to January 6th. We've been through the indictment, we think, It's not fair, not fair at all. We'll be right back. Information. Truth. Is freedom. Is Newsmax. It's real news for real people. There are a lot of reasons why Putin is invading Ukraine right now. First and foremost, he doesn't have to face Donald Trump as an adversary. He has a very weak rival in the White House, Joe Biden. It is his personal weakness, his physical weakness. This Putin wanted this for a long time. It's much easier with a weak American president than a strong one. Also, America has lost its moral high ground. We have. In some ways, you could make the case that we are on the level of the Russians. And here's how. January 6th, the way this government is treating the January 6th prisoners. Now, a lot of these folks didn't break anything and didn't hurt anyone, and their lives have been destroyed. Also, violence against political opponents, that's something our enemies did. Ashley Babbitt, was shot and killed. A military veteran posed no threat. I don't care who you are, all right? Look at that tape. Look at it. She was not posing a deadly threat to anyone. She should never have been shot. You know who's been taking notes in all of this? Yep, 
Vladimir himself. People went into U.S. Congress with political demands. 400 people are now facing criminal charges. They are facing prison terms of up to 20, maybe 25 years. They are called homegrown terrorists. They are being accused of many other things. 70 people were arrested right there on the spot. 30 of them are still arrested. On what grounds? Not quite clear. One of the participants, a woman, was shot dead on the spot. She was not threatening with, uh, you know, with arms or anything. She wasn't. And those people being held, on what grounds? Not quite clear. Something else that's happening in America, a justice system that seems to be doing the bidding of their political masters. Joe Biden doesn't like the Proud Boys. Do you remember this? Are you willing tonight to condemn white supremacists and militia groups and to say that they need to stand down and not add to the violence in a number of these cities, as we saw in Kenosha and as we've seen in Portland. Sure, Are you I'm prepared to, to do specifically that, do it? Well, I, go would ahead, say, I would say almost everything I see is from the left wing, not from the right so wing. So what, what, what are you saying? I'm, I'm willing to do anything. I want to see well, peace. Then do it, sir. Say I, it. Do it. Say it. Do you want to call them? What do you want to call them? Give me a name. Give me a white name. White supremacists and right proud boys. Stand back and stand by. But I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, somebody's got to do something about Antifa and the left. Terrible moment. Chris Wallace, the way he handled that. Joe Biden throwing out Proud Boys. He doesn't know what he's talking about. The Proud Boys are not white supremacists. They're not. The leader of the Proud Boys, who, by the way, I believe right now is in federal custody, again, arrested Enrique Tarrio, Afro-Cuban descent. Uh, You know, You tell me, is this fair? This guy spent several months in prison for this moment when that BLM flag was burned during a protest. All the stuff that we saw for a year, summer of Black Lives Matter, 2020 and beyond, somebody goes to jail for six months for this? That's crazy. Can we show you some other highlights of 2020? How about the looting of the largest department store in the world in New York City, Macy's? None of these people went to jail. Hell, none of them were arrested. And they took everything there was to take in the store. You see, it's all about whether the politicians agree with the protesters. If they agree with you, have at it. If they don't agree with you politically, ooh, they'll throw you in jail. How about this? Every time there's a judicial nominee that the left doesn't like, it's okay to obstruct a government proceeding. Folks, no! Be in Europe! Folks, no! You have a responsibility to all Americans! Be a hero and vote no! And- Be- separation of powers. During his time on the bench, Judge Kavanaugh has heard over a thousand cases. My point of order, Mr. Chairman, is... Okay. 
How long do they go to jail? Some of them weren't even issued tickets, okay? No jail time. You can obstruct a government proceeding if the Democrats don't like the government proceeding. But if it's one that they think should happen and must happen at all costs, and uh, anyway, Enrique Tarrio, uh, he's charged with uh, conspiracy. A pretty, this is a pretty serious case, uh, trying to disrupt January 6th electoral count and uh, a host of other charges. Although I'm going through the indictment, and quite frankly, I am no lawyer, but I see problems in this case. I really do. They have major portions where they're quoting text messages, and one guy says, look, our main objection must be in front of the House of Representatives. It should be out in front of the Capitol building. That's where the vote is taking place and all the objections. Is there something wrong with protesting in front of the Capitol building? We just saw those people protesting inside the Capitol building. There's so much nonsense. There's so many lies and so much dishonesty in all this stuff. And we live in a country where they have great big media organizations and just me and about three other people in the country seem to care about Ashley Babbitt and why that little cop was waving people, aggressively waving people onto Capitol Hill. Why did that happen? Who is that cop? And how about the police officers who were standing on either side of the hallway as they just came on in like they were ordered to, perhaps? Hmm? Can anyone explain this? And those three officers who just, when they were needed most, decided to take a coffee break. There they are, guarding and then they just walk away. And all hell breaks loose. And about 30 seconds after this, Ashley Babbitt is killed. Now, Enrique Terrio, he's in trouble tonight. Yet I think he's being railroaded. I do. He already got jail time for this farce. But I'll tell you, whatever Enrique Terrio and the Proud Boys are alleged to have done, nobody was killed. Only Ashley Babbitt was. Only her. We'll be right back. The president just spoke. Joe Biden on the ground at Naval Air Station Fort Worth said the following to a reporter. The reporter, Mr. President, do you have a message for the American people on gas prices? The president, they're going up. Question, what can you do about it? The president, can't do much right now. Russia's responsible. Okay, okay. I'd like to bring in an expert, though. Neil Chatterjee, former chairman of the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission. He worked very closely with President Trump. We have a great picture of them together in the White House. Happier times indeed. He was president. You were the top man running the show. And um, I think we have a picture of it. I'd love to see it first. There we go. You off on the on the left there. Neil, welcome to Newsmax. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. First off, what do you think of the move to stop buying 600,000 barrels of oil, gas from Russia? Look, I get that it polls very well. Uh, everyone is deeply concerned about the situation in the Ukraine and for the Ukrainian people. But the reality is, unless we have a strategic approach where we bring in our allies and apply these sanctions in a more enhanced and phased manner. It's not going to have an impact. All it's going to do is hurt Americans at the pump, and it won't 
really impact Russia, and it won't impact particularly their political control over Western Europe, which is tied to natural gas and not necessarily to oil. So, uh, all right, first off, you're an expert on this. What is it going to do to America? How bad? I mean, it sounds like a lot, but it really isn't. 600,000, I'm sorry, is it a day or a week? Uh, You know, I don't know uh, uh, what we take in from Russia per day, but the reality is it's a very small percentage, unlike our European allies who are far more dependent on Russian oil. Um, But we're already facing so much inflationary pressure in terms of high energy prices. And it's just one more thing on top of that. And again, I get the the motivation to do it. I get the ethos to do it. We want to strike at Russia. We want to strike at Putin. We want to stand up for our Ukrainian allies. But this is just not going to be effective. And we shouldn't have ever been in this position to begin with. When I was at FERC, I traveled the world. I met with our European allies. They all saw this coming. This shouldn't have been a surprise to anyone. What we should have been doing was focusing on U.S. energy and U.S. energy dominance and the role that America could have played in supplying our European allies with the vital energy resources that they need. We never should have left them in the situation where they were dependent on Putin. And they can't afford to do what we can do, which is swear off Russian oil. Something that Joe Biden said today, and I think we're looking at, uh, yeah, the the canceled Keystone Pipeline. All right, that's good. But Joe Biden, I don't think he's not known for his honesty. Let's face it. We've seen him lying a million times. And there was something, I think, very slippery about this statement. Let's go to uh, the simply not true part. It's simply not true that my administration or policies are holding back domestic energy production. That's simply not true. Even amid the pandemic, Companies in the United States pump more oil during my first year in office than they did during my predecessor's first year. Simply not true, Neil? Let me just tell you the facts about my own agency, my own area of expertise. The Federal Energy Regulatory Commission, two days before Putin invaded Ukraine, revamped the commission's approach to evaluating applications for natural gas pipelines for the first time in 20 plus years to make it that much harder to build out the necessary natural gas infrastructure we need to get this vital LNG to our European allies. Undid all of the work that we did during the prior administration to approve these LNG export facilities on a proper timeline so that the U.S. could become a net exporter of energy for the first time in six decades. Totally undid all of that. That is the direct consequence of an action by an agency that has been politically influenced by the Biden administration. So he's not being truthful again. And I'd like to, here's when Joe starts to talk technicalities, and he's not very good at that. Let's listen. 90% of onshore oil production takes place on land that isn't owned by the federal government. And of the remaining 10% that occurs on federal land, the oil and gas industry has millions of acres leased. They have 9,000 permits to drill now. They could be drilling right now, yesterday, last week, last year. They have 9,000 to drill onshore that are already approved. So let me be clear, let me be clear. They are not using them for production now. That's their decision. These are the facts. We should be honest about the facts. 
Mike Summers, Mike Summers from the uh, American Petroleum Institute says he's not being he's not being candid at all, that this is a game he's playing. Look, it's, it's passing the buck, right? I think the president and his political advisors are keenly aware of what an albatross high gas prices will be and what a weight around their necks it will be heading into the midterm elections. And they're just trying to blame anyone else. This is because of Putin. Well, Putin is certainly having a dramatically you know, negative impact on the world, but his invasion of Ukraine isn't directly responsible for the high prices at the pump that we were already facing. Yeah. It's that the Biden administration has has created regulatory uncertainty and chilled investment. The reality is, to Mike Summers' point, it takes time to put in the infrastructure to get the product out of the ground and get it to market. It can't just happen overnight. And when you're faced with hostility from the administrative state, that has a chilling effect on investment, which impacts our ability to get oil to the American consumers, to get natural gas, yeah. not just to American consumers, but to our allies overseas. Neil Chatter, G, thank you very much. Former chairman of the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission. Once again, Joe Biden, either being wrong or dishonest or both. Neil, we appreciate it very much. To be continued, sir. And we'll be right back. Hard to see, but there they are. Well, there. good news from a war zone. You're looking at through a relatively dirty ambulance window that just got to Poland. A couple of babies that were evacuated from Ukraine. Look at these little guys, huh? Uh, fantastic news. Fantastic news. Uh, Project Dynamo did this. Uh, Project Dynamo is a uh, a fantastic organization that is committed to getting Americans out of hotspots throughout the world. We are joined by James Judge. He is a spokesperson for Project Dynamo. Of course, we've talked to his colleague, Brian Stern, who's been going in and out of Ukraine uh, for about two weeks now. James, uh, welcome to Newsmax. And uh, how are those kids doing? Well, thank you so much for having us. And I'm pleased to report that the kids are safely in Poland. Um, this was a dangerous mission. You know, it was uh, it was something we had to plan very extensively. It required incubators. Um, these premature babies there were three of them. We called it Operation or Mission Dynamo. I'm sorry, Mission Gemini, rather. Um, we've been naming the missions Apollo missions and a nod to the space race with the Russians. But uh, this one was Gemini because we had two twi uh, we had twin baby boys on board. And then we also had another premature baby. Um, but because of the circumstances, uh, the danger involved, the shelling that was taking place while the actual rescue was going on in Kyiv, um, there were so many different elements to this that just made it uh, very challenging. But our team was able to safely get them to, to Poland. And we're, we're pleased to report that this evening. They've been reunited with their families. I love it. I love it. I love it. Uh, Gemini. Yeah, I remember. That was a spaceship where the astronauts sat right next to each other. And just two. Great name. Very clever. Project Dynamo, overall, you guys have been hard at work. Do you have an estimate? How many folks have you brought out of Ukraine? Uh, it's currently more than 150. There's literally three more missions going on as we speak with busfuls of people. Um, we have 12,000 requests for evacuees. So uh, if anyone has a loved one that's in harm's way, we encourage them to go to projectdynamo.org and register. Also, we're encouraging folks who are in harm's way to uh, register with the State Department STEP program. And then, of course, this is entirely donor funded. So any donations that can be given, we would we encourage your viewers to go to projectdynamo.org. Uh, everyone that's involved is a volunteer. 
volunteer and it's donor funded. And, you know, we're doing our best to get these folks out as safely as, and as quickly as possible. Excellent, excellent, excellent. And if folks want to get involved, projectdynamo.org, projectdynamo.org. Um, any of your team, I mean, this is a combat zone. And I know a lot of your uh, members have military experience. I mean, are these armed escorts out of Ukraine or would that present trouble for you guys uh, if the Russians came along? Well, I, you hit the nail on the head there. That would present trouble for us. So these are not armed uh, escorts. Um, this is a humanitarian mission. Yes, there was a point in time when we served in the military, myself included. Um, I deployed to Iraq and Afghanistan. Brian served in Iraq and Afghanistan. A lot of our, uh, our, our uh, volunteers who operate with us that are on the ground with Brian have uh, served. Um, but in terms of what we're doing over there today, it's strictly humanitarian. Uh, there's no weapons involved. Um, this was basically a logistics mission and then making sure that they safely got from point A to point B being escorted with our people. But uh, just it's it's so wonderful to see those those baby boys along with the other baby be reunited with their loved ones. Um, And it wouldn't be possible without the help from the viewers and the donors. Uh, we're so grateful for everyone that's been involved. It's it's truly sad that we even have to be at this point, um, but that's that's the nature of things. You know, Putin attacked Ukraine entirely unprovoked, and uh, we knew when the Biden administration said that they weren't going to uh, provide help, much like they didn't with the withdrawal from Afghanistan, that we would need to step up and do something. So we inserted a team into the ground or under the ground rather um, in Ukraine, approximately. December timeframe, had another team go in in January. And then for about four weeks now, we've had a team on the ground full time in Ukraine. And now we've inserted more team members into Ukraine, Poland and Romania to get these folks out safely. By the way, once they're out of Ukraine, they're in Poland. uh, What next? Um, What next? Well, it's. It depends. You know, right now, our mission uh, with with getting folks out of Ukraine is to get them to a neighboring country as quickly as possible. Um, At that point, a lot of them have loved ones nearby. They may be, you know, maybe have family members that are nearby in a neighboring country and and they kind of choose where they want to go. Some folks have decided to return to the United States. Uh, One woman that we rescued early on, I think it was the first night, um, named Natalia. She was in town actually uh, or in Ukraine for her father's funeral. A lot of these folks got kind of caught up in the middle of everything. weren't expecting the situation on the ground there to go sideways as quickly as it did. And uh, we're stuck. And, you know, 12,000 people requesting to be evacuated. Um, it's it's a it's a monumental undertaking, uh, but we're doing the best we can. We truly believe, like we were taught in the military, never leave an American behind. And, and at this point, really never leave one of our allies behind. Love it. Love it. What's not to love? It's great work. James Judge, from Project Dynamo. Give our best to Brian. We know he's over there and uh, all the best. Projectdynamo.org for more information and maybe you want to chip in. Thank you, sir. Thank you. All right. We'll be right back. So... Last, I'm on my spring break. But <laughs> so this is what teachers do on their spring break. And so my students said to me, hey, Dr. B, what are you doing during the vacation? And I said, oh, I'm going to be working my other job. And they said, Dr. B, you have another job? And then it dawned on them, like, yes, I have another job. So anyway. Dr. B, first of all, she's not a doctor. Secondly, Dr. B And her second job is making partisan, nasty speeches, as she did today in Arizona. Totally, 
totally inappropriate. Folks, we want to know what you think. We have a special poll. Should the United States back a no-fly zone over Ukraine? We also want to know what do you think of Biden's handling. Text INPUT, the word INPUT, to 39747, 39747, and we'll write right back. Thanks so much. Stinchfield is next.